Power Spike is brought to you by Esports Bet. And now's a great time, if you haven't placed a wager yet, to use their $100 loss forgiveness bonus. This means if it's your first time betting on the site and you happen to lose, well, just message the mods on their Discord and they'll refund up to $100 USDT back to your account. Might be a good time to take a the risk-free underdog on DRX at 3.578 as of the time of this recording. If you win, 350 back. If you lose, just message the mods and they'll give you your 100 USDT back to your account. We started with 24 teams, or generally like 16 teams that mattered, and now we're down to the final two. It is World Finals time, everyone. Welcome to Power Spike. Digon, Monty, and Dom here to break down all things worlds here for you, and we're so excited. The end of the year is upon us. We had two fantastic series, uh, and so and, and we had maybe one or two of you at home doing a Nostradamus impression and maybe just maybe calling DRX and putting your name and username. <laughs> on there. That was, that was wild. Uh, Don, let's start with you. How are you doing, man? I'm doing, I'm doing great. I'm like essentially taking my, my time off like during, like I'm pretty much only live viewing the world's match matches, but um, yeah, I mean, I've just been taking a step back because uh, let me tell you worlds is, I, I think it's, it's, it's probably the worst time every single year for any type of lead content creator, I would say. <laughs> it is like just the most like people are the most disingenuous, the most mentally ill. You get to see it with like all of the takes that come out now where like it's like, oh, well, like Zika just proves that Chovy has been overrated this whole time and Knight oh, is actually geez. really bad. It's like, well, I just get this shit. <laughs> and it just makes me just hate what I do. So, <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying not interacting with, uh, with the community during, like, this period because it, it just, the problem is, is that if you just answer, like, the, the common, like, fan perspectives, you just come off as overly negative. So there's almost no point in, like, engaging but at the same time if you don't engage then you like allow these narratives to be like perpetuated for, for forever i guess so yeah um it's been uh it's been an interesting world i'll say that you know this is the problem like normal like traditional sports fans also have the the, the hot nephew takes a lot of the time but typically there are a number of games where watching them or at least having general knowledge over star players is achievable it's achievable, right? The thing is, is that with the amount of league in the world, what happens is these people just invent narratives about players that they these people haven't watched for the entire season because they're just like LEC fans and they just hear about Chovy and then just expect things from Chovy at Worlds. And then they they read a Reddit narrative like, this person seems like they know what they're talking about instead of actually <laughs> seeking out experts on those regions to like, you know, qualify that, that information or prevent well, a, a good take. I mean, I think that this, this will say it enough without even getting into the take. The most the most upvoted thread regarding Zika's performance with comparisons to Chovy and Knight called Zika a random. <laughs> Unironically called Zika a random. He played an LPL for, for two years, and then this year he played an LCK. He's been a pro player at the top level in the, the best leagues in the world for three years. And we're calling him a random. And people are like, yeah, he is a random, man. Never heard of that guy. Like, what the? F this guy played on BLG and then Vici Gaming for a full year and then DRX for a full year. Like, he's just been playing pro games for, like, a long time. Like, yeah, was, yeah. Dom, he's, he not a, he's not a household name. Like, Larson, he's not a household <laughs> he was name. Good. He was good when he was an LP. Like, last year in 2021 right, we'll when he it. played for BLG, he was good. 
And then All this right. is like the type of stuff that that we're having to fucking talk about. Well, before we before we lecture the nephews, before we lecture yeah. the nephews, we got some other right. business. Yeah, sure. uh, I wanted to before we lecture the nephews. I want to remind anyone and everyone that's going to the World Finals in San Francisco. We just announced it. We are hosting a live viewing party on site on the bar within the Warriors Pavilion. It is right there. It's the last stop <laughs> before going into the Chase Center. Come see me, Monty, Wolf, and a whole host of friends in person. We'll have Dom calling in, while we'll friends calling in. You're gonna see all your favorite personalities on over there. We will be giving out some some drink tickets. Uh, so what we're doing is starting at 2 p.m. We're gonna do an entire world's pre-show, then. That's for open for anybody. And it is literally at Harmonic Brewing Thrive City, which is like built into the Chase Center. So it will take you two seconds to walk over there. Uh, beforehand, you can maybe get some drink tickets. We'll, we're giving out hundreds of free T-shirts and hoodies for Last Free Nation. So you can come get that. Um, you can also, you know, just hang out. We'll have a stage there doing the live pre-show. Uh, and then when you go inside, if you have a ticket, uh, you can come back out afterwards for drinks and food uh, post post game but during the game if you do not have a ticket to worlds but you still want to hang out somewhere and see it with other people maybe you couldn't get in tickets were obviously very hard to get this year so if you live in the bay area you can also come and watch the matches there have food have drinks we're gonna have six or seven 55 inch tvs split between inside and the patio there are no tickets so it is first comes first serve so like be there early and, and and get a spot is what i would say but come drift in drift out uh take our free t-shirts, uh, hang out with us, and watch some content that's actually going to be analytical before World starts uh, in the three hours preceding the 5 p.m. Uh, kickoff with the opening ceremony. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. Should be really fun. Should be really It'll fun. It'll be a lot of fun. So not open bar. Monty, shut that idea down. But we do, we do have, look, there is a bunch of craft beer there. We will be giving out tickets. You can also purchase your own craft beer and, uh, and food. They have good food there as well, from what I understand. All right. Well, hope to see y'all there on the day of the World Finals, November fifth. Uh, we were speaking earlier about experts touching on this uh, on on the expertise of different regions without really knowing what that region is, aka an LEC fan talking about, uh, you know, DRX's midlander. But uh, something else that's going to be a little tough is during the World Finals, uh, live viewing is uh, a co-streaming is a little different right went a different way and that is going to be our first segment of the day it's tough to swallow on the world's co-streaming for uh world finals all right, all right so guys yeah yeah go ahead, sorry. I, 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 I know i'm going i'm going on this one d god yeah so they just announced that they have four different coast streams uh heading up for this world finals one of them in english with sakuno who uh, look i'm not a part of whatever like streaming house slash offline tv club culture goes on i literally watch none of that content i do understand that this guy used to be a league of legends creator and is you know a major personality a major streamer but it hasn't been doing lol recently. Now, they brought in Ebai, which is obviously great because he is now partially an owner or one, you know, one of the major stakeholders in an LEC team and has a large audience that watches League of Legends. So, like, I get that one. Not really sure about the, the Korean and Chinese streams. But the point of this is, is, like, 
Why I find this so egregious is we have people, including my esteemed colleague, I Will Dominate, who has grinded all year, 15 hours a day, ridiculous, doing co-streams of LPL, LCS, live viewings of LEC, people like LS, people like Kadrill, who will be on the broadcast, so I guess he's a little less relevant. Uh, all of these kinds of people who have put their time and blood and energy into this, streamed thousands of hours this year alone, worked harder than any caster on the game, basically, when it comes to this kind of content. And they're they're allowing people who have haven't you know grinded out this lifestyle before this opportunity because they have audiences that may not be as hardcore. They might bring some casual fans into into doing worlds or watching worlds, and that's all great. Like I don't have a problem with that, but there's also no reason why you can't let your core content creators who kind of uh, speak to the most hardcore members of your audience do the do the exact same thing. Like, I don't understand why there only has to be these four people. And, you know, honestly, it really just sets a grim precedent for the future of Riot Esports, if I'm going to be totally honest. Because you you combine this with Valorant, where most of the most of the audience is on co-streamers, and you wonder what is the future of people who actually like esports and not, you know, random personalities commenting on things that they may not have an in-depth knowledge of, right? Um, as a former caster, this like honestly deeply saddens me in many ways. Uh, I, I wish that we could have seen both parties involved in this co-streaming because I think it makes sense. And also it makes good business sense to continue to reward people that do the grind day in and day out for you. It makes you wonder why why these people do it, honestly, if the at the end of the day, people who haven't been doing it just randomly get co-streaming privileges on site at Worlds, treated super well by Riot, and uh, they just kind of ignore you at the end. I think it's really depressing. Yeah, the day-to-day -day grinders not getting the credit and the payoff that they deserve there at the end of it. When I think of how this was implemented by Valorant, the two, I think, co-streamers in English that were brought on site were players, aka people that grinded out hours and hours of the game. It was Tarek, who has Turkish blood, and of course, Shroud, who co-streamed every match and then played in the tournament uh, there at the end with Sentinels. So those two co-streamers make sense because they are of the community. They are the community. They are the heartbeat of it. So uh, definitely a questionable, uh, I think, kind of take here uh, by Riot on the co-streaming stands. Dom, obviously this affects you. Do you want any final thoughts here? Um, No, I mean, I I'd say it's expected. Like, trust me, I'm I'm not super sad about it or anything. It's like it just it's like well, the thing is when you've been screwed over so many times by the same group of people, like it's just you come to expect these types of things to actually like happen, right? So for me, it wasn't it wasn't like a massive shock. Uh, I I also think that one of the things that that is telling is they don't view co-streaming as like a skill they just view it as like oh you're just like they're like doing your broadcast the other guy's doing their but like they don't actually view it as something that you are you're actually getting better at which is something that i think it, like co-streaming is, is actually it's actually hard to do accurately to be able to provide narratives and like give a good amount of feedback while also like discussing like the, the intricacies of the game and not getting sidetracked like i actually think that co-streaming is something i've gotten better at over the years which is why i've seen like viewership increase so 
I think that that's the part that, that people are missing out. It's not just that, like you sit there and you just like rant about a game. Obviously, if you do a million games in a day, there's going to be games where you're not as on. But when you go to like a world final co-stream, right, or like live view in, in my case, and I'm talking about the game with like a professional coach of a team that played in the tournament like the entire time. And we are talking about the nitty gritty of it like that yep. is appealing to viewers. Um, and I just feel like they don't value that at all as like, you know, an actual like a, a like the quality of the product is just not valued at all in in um the situation it's pretty much just like sakuru is more popular than you like you're fucking random like piss off like that's pretty much what i hear from that yeah and i, I think it's different too because even the it, it, we've seen like the nfl do what are effectively co-streams with the manning cast with, on on, manning, yep. on on Monday night football but it's different because peyton and eli manning are exactly legendary quarterbacks with deep game Hall of famers right yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you, you know, with the, multiple decades of experience between them, the difference is, is that, you know, they're not they're not putting just a random celebrity on there and then having them opine about the games to try and maximize coverage. That's the yeah. difference to me is that the That'd NFL super weird. You know, for, and, and by the way, every every right esports employee loves to tell you about how much how big of the NFL fans they are, but they don't seem to get like that. Ultimately, if they want people to engage in their products at a deep level, it's going to be through, I think, the more hardcore streamers, even if they don't have as big of an audience as these people. There's just going to be a bunch of looky-loos rubbernecking on, a, you know, Sakuno stream. But I'm not sure that actually translates into new players or new fans. Yeah, I, I, and I, I would argue that from what I've seen a lot of the times, it doesn't, which is why we've seen actually in, in the streaming space, uh, a, a huge decrease in the amount of like game streams um, for games that are like just not in the, the current streamers wheelhouse. Like you don't see like as many mobile game ads on, on Twitch anymore as opposed to other days because people realize that just having a massive audience and then trying to like siphon them off into uh, an area where they're not really familiar is not actually an effective marketing tool. Like the best way to do it is to have somebody who's genuinely excited about the product that they're, that they're are trying to promote and knowledgeable about the product. Obviously Saikuno's played league before he started as a league content creator. That was eight years ago. Like I would be surprised if he knew who Zika was before like this week, I would be surprised. <laughs> I would legitimately be surprised if he knew who Zika was before this week. Like, I mean, it's just that that's who you you're going to have. Um, he might still not know who Zika is. He's probably going to be like, who the fuck is this guy when he when, when when they actually start the matches? So I think that that's the, the issue that I see is like, I don't think the product is going to be that good. Like, I would be very surprised if Saikuno is just able to rock up and just co-stream better than me for a year. Like, if that happens, bro, I'm quitting. If he comes in and he's just dropped, like, I am, you will never Heard see here me first. fucking he, he again. Drop, he drops all the analysis, all the player storylines, everything. Life. I'm quitting life. You're never seeing me anywhere ever again if this shit happens. Okay. Like there's no way. Pretty sure there's a zero percent chance of that happening, buddy. But yeah, that's what I think too. I hope so because yeah, um, quite, quite some stakes there. But anyways, like it just, the, the quality is not going to be there. I mean, and the other thing yeah. is the, the viewership is not going to be as high as they think it is from Saikudo. Like, what do you think Saikudo's viewership is going to be on YouTube during this? Like, I don't know what he's I mean, averaging. I, know, I have no idea what his average viewership is. Like, no. So clue, his so. average on Twitch was like, was like 25k 30k i'd be surprised if he had like 150k or like some like really insane number which is what he can sometimes hit on like random event streams i don't think his viewership will be that insane compared to normal and my comparison would be like when ludwig got co-streaming rights to finals he got co-streaming rights to finals back when he was a twitch streamer uh before he went to youtube 
um last year and he was competing with the rest of us like his average view count i think was like 25 30k and he only had like 17 for finals like he had less viewers than normal because he wasn't doing his normal content um and like streamers like myself had like 15 i think ls might have had like 20 ls might have had more than him double had like 40 or some shit so like these streamers are not actually bringing as many eyes as people think because in a lot of people's perspectives like they're they're essentially just like doing an ad. It's just like ad content. So yep. people just don't engage with it the same way they would with like their natural content. Well, we'll see how this all pans out. Lots of choices for, uh, I wouldn't say fans, but new viewers to watch from. But we know that we've got a pretty good one here in Dom if you want all the analysis. Are you still doing the live viewing, right, brother? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I've been doing it with uh, Yamato. So I'm going to be doing it with Yamato, who is obviously coach of Fnatic, who competed against T1, one of the teams that like and beat them, <laughs> competed, beat them and prepped versus one of the teams that yep. actually is in the world finals. I think that that's pretty valuable insight that you can gain from somebody like that. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll have Saikuno on my my co-stream uh, well, in the future. And we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. Maybe that'll well, be just better quality content. Uh, Dom, you said that co-streaming is a skill that you get better at over time. It's like well, another skill else that you do, yes. Well, yeah, and, and another skill that you have that is specific is uh, going to Reddit and shitting on some bad takes. And so oh, we'll open yeah. up our next segment for you. It's listen up, nephews, with a little post about a couple of mid laners that you know show up to worlds and disappoint, and actually they turned out to be randoms. It was the Chovy and Knight post because Zika beat him. Uh, let's hop into listen up, nephews. Dom? Well, it's that time of the year again. We have worlds happening. We have underdog stories. We have upsets. And whatever happens means that that was the only thing that could have possibly happened. That was the only possibility um, in the world. And that anyone who did not see it coming is an idiot. And that the players that were supposed to be good are now overrated. So we had a, a great, we've, we've had great discussions recently. Um, Zika has been playing extremely well at this tournament. He has been having probably one of like the, the craziest glow ups that we've ever seen at a world championship. I mean, we've never had a four seed get to the finals and we've never had a player who is not considered like in the realm of like the top five players end up actually potentially being one of the best players at the entire tournament. Um, but Unfortunately, what that means is now we get to see great discussions like the Chovy Knight post yesterday with 5,000 upvotes uh, that talked about how a random like Zika, a random like Zika destroyed Knight, completely gapped Chovy, and proves that Chovy and Knight are not what they are hyped up to be, and that Zika is actually the Chovy of the um, LCK. So uh, I, I just really like going down this this rabbit hole. I mean, I think that Every now and then, like, you just have to just disengage. But during this show, I'm fucking paid to engage. So here we go. Like, <laughs> here, here we fucking go. Number one, Zika being a random. Let's just start there. Zika is not a random. I don't know where this idea that Zika is a fucking random came from. He's a random if you are a fucking casual that never watches Pro League at all. And you've never, like, watched LCK or LPL in the last three years. Yes. Then he's a fucking random. He's not a random if you followed Vici Gaming, if you followed BLG. Like these are just these were like BLG was top six in LPL at the end of, of regular season last year. And he was a good player on the team. 
this was one of the most stacked splits in terms of talent. This is when Doombi was popping off. This is when Knight was popping off. You had Scout like looking really good. Ja like Jao was top lane at the time. Um, but you had like Fofo, for example, who was doing really well. Angel, who went to the World Finals last year. You had all these really good mid laners, and Zika was in the conversation for being one of one of the better mid laners, like a top five, top six mid laner um, in LPL. And then he goes to LCK. He has some of the best laning stats, like in LCK, like period. And people will just create a narrative that because he's on a sixth place team, he's just like a, a piss random. Like, yeah, sure. He probably wasn't one of the best like mid laners, but he's not a fucking complete random. Like he was somebody who, if you asked people about Zika, they're like, yeah, he's good. He might not have like all of the qualities, but he's, he's pretty good. Like no one would be like, oh, Zika is dog shit. Like, I think yeah. this guy fucking sucks. He was, like, he was, I think, I think that, but you know, I, I talked about this on SI, Dom, but I think like you, you mentioned the glow up earlier. And I think what's important to mention is that it wasn't that he was a complete random. He was pretty good, but we have to be honest about his starting place if we're going to celebrate his ascension, right? Because, yes, yeah, like we have to just be like, yeah, he was pretty good, but he he had a limited champion pool. His control mages, in spite of the fact that he played a lot of Azir, his Azir, uh, Azir, his Azir is not amazing. I mean, look at what happened in the game. Like he kind of played badly yeah. on Azir in game one of their series. Like he's not super good at this champion. Um, he's a very high economy mid laner. He takes an enormous amount of DRX's gold. But this is a team that, outside of some brief stretches where mostly in summer when they were on their early win streak in the first round robin they were really emphasizing a lot of like orn and callista play and they were playing through bot lane and that's why they were winning or king was making like crazy flash you know orn engages flash orn yeah R it flash. wasn't Jekka guys like it, th that wasn't what anyone was talking about at the time it was like oh shit look at this callista play from deft oh shit look at this orn play from king and then you remember they actually lost more than they won in the second round robin they ended with a negative map differential they were minus one and they squeaked into playoffs in sixth place they also lost to every other team in the playoffs in the second round robin except for dom Juan. so like i it, they were fine, but you you really have to contextualize where DRX was and where Zeka was and where they are now. And part of this is also the world's champion pool is just so fucking good for him. Like he is he is an assassin player. That is who he is at his core. And it is an excellent time to be fucking good at Silas, Ari, and Akali. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that so let, let's do let's do the second part of this. So, yeah, number one, like Zika, <laughs> it, I mean, I, I know everyone calls him Zeka now. People called him Zika and LPL for like years. So I still say Zika because that's just what I heard on broadcast for literal years. Um, but Zika, Zeka, however you want to pronounce his name, compare him to the other mid laners. So now there's a narrative that he destroyed Knight in group stage. They went one and one. They played the same matchup on both sides. You guys remember the first game where Knight was on Azir versus uh, the Silas from, from Zika? That was the one where his bot lane tried to do this dive to cash in Draven. That was the Violt from Tien onto the, like, trying to cash in the Draven. I think it, the enemy team was playing something like Kate, Kate Braum. Yes, Kate important. Braum, yep. Kate, Kate Braum, and, and they had a Draven Vi Nautilus, and they tried to kill this Draven. They're going to the tier two, or they tried to kill the Caitlyn, tried to cash in the Draven. They go to the tier two, try to cash it, like, Knight is lading fine. He's up like 15 CS. Zika just drops away mid, goes, collects a double kill, and walks back mid. Like, why do we have to go with the narrative that, like, Knight is shit to say that Zika is good? Like, what? And then in the second game that they played, Knight played a fucking better game than Zika. And then Knight ended up being like, I mean, they ended up just winning that game. Like, Top Esports won that game. So they went one and one. Like, the game was, was a stomp because 
essentially the whole game was predicated on TS trying to cash in the Draven and they failed at like their main condition, their main win condition. Their main win condition of this game was like, we are going to throw our Nautilus ult and our Vial onto the Caitlyn. The Caitlyn can't move. Draven gets a cash in. We'll play through the Draven and Snowball. That that just didn't happen. They failed that. And then Jackie yep. Love died a million times. Also, Wayward was was getting dicked in that game too. That was actually the game where there was like the, uh, the, the turret, or uh, the, sorry, the NAR bug on the turret where the boomerang flew sideways and it actually made wayward dive. Well, we don't even need to talk about that though. How, how does Knight get the blame in these games? Like what, just because he's hyped? He was, he was, he was probably the most consistent member of top throughout the entire tournament. Not probably. He was the best <laughs> player on top. Like he was the best player on top clearly the entire time, right? Like he was the, he was the most consistent player in the loss is the only reason that, that people were like, ah, oh, I mean, the only way top can win is if like this Azir ends up carrying and then his whole team dies in front of him. It's like, yeah, he couldn't carry. The criticism <laughs> of top is like, you shouldn't have put Knight on Azir. You should have put Knight on the Akali Silas because that was his thing, right? Like have him go toe to toe with Zika on the Akali Silas. You would expect like, look, after this tournament, the, the Zika stocks are through the roof. So maybe Zika is just going to beat everyone on both sides of that matchup for all of eternity. Like who the fuck knows? <laughs> I'm saying that at that point, the criticism was just like give Knight more agency in the game. He was lading well with Azir. We've seen Azir versus Silas, and we've seen Silas get through that lane a lot easier than than uh, than Zika got through. Like Zika was down CS, he was getting pushed in. Knight got a play, like he was playing the lane perfectly, and then the enemy just he just gets a fucking double kill bot lane and comes back with two kills. What? Like how is how is Knight getting flamed for this? That's number one. Number two, it's like the Chovy thing. Yes, Zika gapped Chovy in the semifinals. Chovy has been the best laning mid laner in the world for like years now. Like he is the best laning mid laner in the world when it comes to just like trading in mid, being able to get pressure, CS advantages. Like he is, he has been the best in the world. Worlds matters the most, but it doesn't mean that nothing else matters in the world, uh, like in the, the global scene of League of Legends. It doesn't mean that every time that, that, that Chovy was just playing extremely well in LCK, that just all gets fucking removed because he played bad in one semifinals. Like people will say like Chovy, Choki, whatever. Like people, people love this narrative because obviously Chovy has a lot of fans. So when he fails, people like come out. But it's so disingenuous to then just be like, yeah, Chovy was just never that good in lane. He's just not as good in lane as Zika. Like we saw it here, right? He was worse in this series than Zika. So Chovy is just a worse later than Zika. Nothing else matters. Years of like dominance, years of like laning prowess doesn't matter because of what's what's happening here. It's just such a fucking casual take to have. And it, and it's like, it's so frustrating as somebody who who watches like all the, all, like all these games and I, I spend all the time and then to just have people lie and then have the lies be like consistently upvoted and agreed upon. It's just bad for the history of, of League of Legends. Like what, are we going to have this narrative from now on? It's like, yeah. So Chovy was actually like, let's say Chovy retired next year. It's like, yeah, well, Chovy, I mean, he, he, he was a choker, but also he was overrated. Like he was never that good in lane. Is that going to be the narrative? <laughs> like I, I really, well, really hate the direction that League goes. It, it really is a bummer, I think, because uh, that performance from Chovy undercuts a lot of the growth that we've actually seen from Chovy this year. So I've I've never been personally that big of a Chovy fan because I didn't think he was very good at translating his laning success into wins. Right. He didn't play well with his teammates. Um he frequently played like he had blinders on. It was not communicating with his teammates or watching what they were doing on the map. But honestly, the there was side a, lanes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I don't have a problem with that. Like, that's just who the side laning stuff is who he is. And like, I think that Genji played side lanes extremely well this year and used the side lanes and intelligently traded cross map 
when teams are doing objectives in order to put themselves in a favorable position later. Like you have to just know who he is. I mean, the the real egregious thing was that Azir game when he was just like pushing mid while the rest of his team was just dying at, at Dragon, right? That was like a classic Chovy play from the past. And I think that's what was weird is that we basically got the worst of, of Chovy this game, which was his suspect teamwork combined with him losing lanes. So you got none of the good parts of Chovy and you got all of the bad parts. And I, he just had a bad day. I think he was very forthright in his interviews by saying he had a bad day. But there was really big improvement with the Genji team and the Genji coaching staff this year. And I, I, I frankly think he, he got nervous and like reverted to old Look, habits. I'm, I'm just going to say this. If I was playing mid lane and I had Peanut on my team and Peanut played Graves, I would run it down as well. Okay? <laughs> like, I'm going to fucking run it down. I'm going to make sure we're not playing Graves look, in the man. fucking next game. All right? Look, it is what there, it is. It, look, Peanut lost a one game in game two, in my opinion, by greeting and being horrible. Um, in game three, it opens up with Doran, like, running it down in top lane. Like, there's a lot of reasons that Chovy would have been tilted in that situation or felt enormous pressure to carry the team because it wasn't like a... And that's the other thing is, like, it wasn't a Chovy loss. Like, Chovy played bad in lane all all of the games and wasn't the same Chovy we've seen. But there were, like, who was playing well on that team would be my my next question, right? Like, Ruler and Lehens were fine, but, you know, the top side of the map was was really struggling. They were really struggling, and I think it's very frustrating to go from a game that you feel like you have complete control of and Peanut dying twice for no reason and then throwing throwing the game when you have a really like comfortable lead and a clear win condition and then heading into the next game and then having this fucking top Sejuani just completely shit the bed. And so it's not an excuse. Like, you have to... You know, championship mentality is that you overcome that and carry the game and uh, do what you can to prop up your teammates. But it isn't what happened. But I, I do think that it does a lot of disservice to Chovy, to Gen G, to the coaches at Gen G for honestly a pretty remarkable transformation from Chovy, which I was I didn't know if it was ever going to happen at this point in his career. Like I never knew if he would improve in those ways. And he really did. But not in the end, <laughs> which is what people are going to remember. And, and and as always, you don't have to shit on something else to build up someone. Like it's 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 never like that. So nephews, come on, don't don't be like that. <laughs> I mean, you just don't watch these guys. Like that's the thing. Well, like, yeah, but then it's like then shut the fuck up. Like if you're not though, if you're never gonna fucking watch like, like if 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 a post opens <laughs> calling Zika a random, who the fuck is upvoting that? Like why is that the most popular thread? Why is everyone like yeah? Crazy man, Zika was a random, and now he's just better than Night Anchovy. Crazy how that app. Like, just don't entertain these takes. Why are these takes so fucking popular? Why are these like revisionists? Just like, and the thing is, they also like have this like level of male malevolence to the, to the take. Like, you can tell that they're not made in good faith. These are like bad faith takes that people are trying yeah. to do in order to like, I mean shit on Chovy stands, shit on the shit on like LPL players, like because LPL played poorly at this tournament or like lost at this tournament. You can't even let's not even say play poorly. They lost to this tournament, right? Because here it's different than the LCK. We don't just make excuses. Like if we lose, we lose. You know, that's how it is. So <laughs> there's no it's not blue side gap. No, no, no. They were they were worse. LCK was better at this tournament, just like LPL was better at all the other tournaments. So it is what it is. My point is like why why are these takes so popular? I hate that these takes are so overwhelmingly popular in the community. Uh, on that note, I don't remember another worlds where players were asked as much about specifically the LPL LCK gap 
did that happen more in like recent worlds because it, it was that was like Dracos's question and i mean and it's I very think... it's very it's it's weird right because like yeah when when lpl beats lck they never ask like which is the best region in the world but then when right. lck like wins like and then it's like hmm there's like there's two lck teams in finals like who's the best in the world right now they're like faker who is the best region in the world like it's just it's so it's so weirdly biased towards lck from well, like the riot it's also like i don't know how many times faker has to say like it's not about the regions it's about the teams like get, get over it guys this isn't if you actually care about league of legends then you just appreciate the styles and the, and the different strengths and weaknesses of the teams and the matchups going in uh i mean i don't particularly care about regions outside of just trolling dom <laughs> <laughs> you know i really yeah, enjoyed you haven't watching been able to do that for like three <laughs> tournaments so you know it's been rough for you <laughs> um but uh you know i really enjoyed watching jdg this tournament i thought it was fucking great to watch really good team um and i, I was just enjoying the matches and i was well, glad we also got i mean to, to add on to your point the other point is that with the shit format, you actually don't get to know like who's the second best team ever. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like there's no way to tell if even if T1 stomps DRX and it's like, damn, T1 had a harder series versus JDG. You can't actually know if, J if JDG is the second best team in the tournament because we don't have that like double elimination format. You don't actually get to see these teams battle out. Maybe DRX is a terrible matchup versus T1, but DRX is a good matchup versus JDG. So you can't even like, I, mean, make I do these think that I do think it legitimately that uh, T1 is a good matchup or, or like JDG is a good matchup for T1. I do think stylistically that's true. Well, if I'm DRX not... wins, then is T1 the second best team? <laughs> well, I mean, you can't even know that, right? Like, you can't even know if DRX... <laughs> I thought, I just, that was well, the right that, answer, that's, Dom. I, that's, that's all my whole I point here. That is literally <laughs> my whole point, is that people will be like, oh, of course T1's the second best team. But if T1 gets smashed, like, let's say T1 somehow gets 3-0'd. Like, how can you then say that T1 is, like, definitively better than Gen G when we saw T1 play versus Gen G domestically? That was obviously Gen G favored. Now it's a different meta. But if T1 is just losing... To, to DRX super hard, like you won't be able to tell. So that's the, the the hard thing about Worlds is that you you get who's the best team, you get a completely inaccurate ranking of two through eight. It's like at the last Worlds where people will just talk about like three LCK teams were in the semis. It's like, yeah, I mean, RNG ran into the eventual world champions in quarters. But yeah, I mean, like you can't, you can't actually know like if, if R, like, I mean, I think if RNG played a team like Hanwha Life in quarters, they would have beat them. Obviously, that wasn't possible because of the bracket draw. They would have played Mad Lions. They would have beat them. Like, RNG could have made a semifinals. It could have been two LCK, two LPL teams in the semifinals. Three LCK teams in the semifinals doesn't matter in most cases. Here, it matters because the LPL teams and LCK teams actually, like, faced off. So, I think that that here, you can actually make a point. But in the last Worlds, you, you don't know who this, the top four teams in the world is. Like, you don't know if RNG is the top four team in the world when they lose. I mean, technically, right. at this world, if T1 ends up spanking the fuck out of DRX, you don't even know if RNG and, and, and JDG are necessarily worse than, like, DRX and Genji. Like, you'd have to see, like, those best of fives. That's the whole point, is you only get the first seed, and then your your rankings of all the other teams are just based off, like, some, like, transitive property. It's like, well, this team beat that team, which means that they must be better than the team that the first team beat. Like, you just do some weird shit like that. So, yeah. I mean, I think that, that pretty much all you're going to get from Worlds is who is the best team in the world. There are 47 days to go in esports bet free to enter world's prediction series. Now, you may not get much action in League of Legends, but I'll tell you right now, they're going to be doing Counter Strike, many other esports through the major, through Blast, through everything else. 
So you play with DJT. If you sign up using our referral link below and message the mod mail on the Esports Bet Discord, you start with 50,000 DJT. You play for free, make your predictions. If you do well, you will win money. They are giving up to $10 million in total away and up to $300,000 for an individual. So it's your chance to win big by entering for free. So head on over to esportsbet.io. Well, we'll dive into more about DRX specifically in the spot with the segment afterwards. But first up, we just finished up talking about Chovy and Knight to build up Zika. So let's get into it. It's time for this week's Keep or Kick. Would you keep Zika or Faker? Now, obviously, historically, you know which way this would go. But right now, we're seeing the rise, one of the best, greatest rises in the history, not the champion, of Worlds, of a mid laner in Zika stepping up. Uh, and Faker, who has also been, I guess, scaling into the form that he's in now, showing off multiple champions that we did not see earlier in, uh, in his semifinals, tapping, as he said, his old friend Rise to uh, show off that he still got it across multiple different champions. So the question is, who do you keep? Who do you kick? Faker or Zika and Monty? Let's start with you here. All right. Well, as as good as Zeka's been, I really think that you, you keep Faker. So first off, I think Faker has been improving throughout the tournament. He had a really fucking magnificent semifinal that shows all of the kind of intangible qualities that you in, that you love to see about Faker. Incredible creativity um, in unseen situations, which is the hallmark of, of a great player. His mechanics and ability to dodge skill shots have been on point throughout the playoffs. Decision-making on engages on Azir, the a fantastic escape on Rise. Uh, he was very, very good, as, as expected. And even though he may not have, at this point in his career, the kind of flashy assassin chops that Zeka has, he's also the one of the least likely players to tilt in this in this finals, whereas Zeka is still, I believe, 19 years old, 19 or 20, very young. And it's impressive how well he's done in high pressure situations. But there are also no expectations on him, which I think have been quite helpful uh, with DRX. But I, I have been I think Faker has overperformed, as has Zeka given the year that they had, but the depth of Faker's kind of historical knowledge of matchups, knowledge of macro, ability to shot call for his team, whereas uh, it's most likely Beryl who is, who's doing that on the side of DRX, I think makes him more valuable to his team in this overall final. Dom? I mean, keeper kick, one of them's the GOAT going into a world finals after a good performance. Like, you just have to go with the GOAT, right? Like, <laughs> Faker's the greatest of all time, and he's playing well right now. Like, versus anyone you'd keep Faker, right? Like, that's just what it is. That's just the reality of the situation. Like, that is part of of having such, like, such a, a, an insane track record and, and having such an insane career is that if you get informed, people are going to, like, definitely believe in you. And, yeah, I mean, I think that that you've got to keep Faker here. Like, I think that Zika might be able to overperform. Maybe he's, uh, but I feel like Zika's just been like he's just been riding the wave. I mean, it, it's crazy that he's even here in the first place. But like, you can't take him over Faker when Faker's <laughs> playing well. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I mean, I think like um, also Faker is less likely to 
you know, go for some of the like all ins that we saw potentially from Scout that caused him to to lose a bunch of the one v ones versus versus Zeka and flashing into turret and killing himself. Yeah, flashing into turret and getting succeed and, and killing himself. I don't think Faker's yeah. likely to do that. That he's Faker is a, just a much more like even keeled player right now. That he's at a point in his career where he's happy just to take the slow kind of incremental victory with his game knowledge over you while still having some pretty serious mechanical chops. He also just is, you know, has a deeper champion pool than Zekka right now. He's a much larger threat on Azir. We did see Zekka play Galio and, and play it pretty well, but I mean, Faker is probably second to Zhaohu in terms of like Galio abilities. And I think Faker also just has an infinitely deep pool of surprises when it comes to uh, when it comes to his champion pool, as we know. So at this point in time, I love to see Zekka. I think Zekka is the leading MVP candidate heading into the finals. Now, obviously, that oh, predicates yeah, that predicates on on a win, right? <laughs> um, I think it's it's an interesting conversation to have who is the leading MVP candidate on the T1 side. I think it's Korea for me at this point in the time. For me, I would probably say Guma. I feel like Guma just hasn't like made any mistakes, really. Like he's just right. been so insanely consistent. So, as much as like as much as Guma like had his problems before, like the the whole problem with Guma, specifically in spring, I think that the the, the thing that people were were always looking for is like when is this guy going to end the game? Even in summer, it was the same thing, right? Like when he was yep, playing yep. Zeri, you never felt good it about was him much being worse ahead. In summer, but yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I would say, well, in spring, I, I would. My argument was that there was a lot more ways to save him when he ended. Yes, there was a thresh the, lantern. There was a thresh lantern, <laughs> and then there was a calm catch a lot of the time. Yeah. So, like, so in in spring, you could bail him out when he entered. In summer, you couldn't bail him out when he entered, but it was like there was still that consistent tendency that he would not understand when he was killable at certain points of the game and put himself in positions where he would just get hit, like he would just either make him like he would burn his own resources which then would make him killable later on or he'd just flat out die um now it just feels like he's not making those mistakes he's like not having those those errors which were always like the the achilles heel where it's like he had a really he had really good lane phase he he was really solid mechanically and then every now and then he would just die and it would be like okay well you just can't have that quality as an ad carry um yeah. uh, i don't so i don't feel like he's ever inting like he's like even when he dies it's like they're throwing everything at him, and it's it's those positions where it's like, okay, like I think that you don't necessarily like need the like like there. I mean, the the foresight to see all that coming is like such a ridiculous standard to hold an AD to that that I think that it's like it's almost a a, a moot point. So for me, I, I would say like if you play AD carry perfectly, like where you're not making any of these errors and you're also like being relatively aggressive and consistently like getting leads. I mean, I just think the AD carry is like just going to get it over support because AD carry just, just a harder role than support. Like, look, support is just at the end of the day, you're like one KLP inflated if you're just playing support already. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, to your point there, I, I think it was the game two, maybe game three, where Guma's been playing so well. He dash forward. We've been seeing him over and over again use the Gale Force to execute someone. He dash forward Gale Force and got caught by an Everfrost and died. It was so foreign 
from this whole world's performance that it's like, oh, he can do that. He can make the mistake very reminiscent of how he was playing earlier in the year. So I think that kind of turn there, that kind of growth leads to how the expectations have stepped up for him and how he's met uh, almost all of them. So in that moment, it was like very interesting how like it wasn't, oh, this is another Guma death. It's like, oh, shit, Guma died. Yeah, I mean, the, that's uh, not even the Guma death that I'm talking about, because that's like in the fight where they're like up a kill and then he like dies, like trying to like get one more kill. Like, I feel like that's a different quality death than like when he's just like holding a mid wave. Like that was like in the yeah. middle of the what, fight, you know? Yeah. What, what he does, he'll just like walk up to take two more autos on a mid tier one and then just get caught and die. Yeah, that's, what, that's, that, what he that's the type of shit. That's the type of shit that I was like, what? Like, like, he doesn't have like a what the fuck like that. That death was like, OK, he's like trying to chase a no flash Silas. Like he gets ever frosted into like max range, like QW from a Belveth. Like it's like okay, I mean, like I guess he dies there, but I think for me, for me, the the main thing is that like he doesn't have those stupid deaths. Like you can die in a fight. Like no one's gonna play actually perfectly all the time, but like as long as you're not just getting caught, that's what I care about more. Like actually being just like caught out on the map. Like when it comes down to like not being aware of where other players are on the map, as opposed to like a, a mechanical misplay. All right. Well, we both, I guess you both, go with Faker here over uh, Zika. So we'll see how it plays out in the world. And if you at home agree, disagree, let us know in the comments below. If you haven't subscribed already across all platforms, make sure to subscribe here at Last Free Nation so you don't miss any of your top-tier esports content. Thank you for supporting Power Spike. Before we get to our big topic to kind of set us up for Galaxy Brain Club, it's time for my fact. It's the Degon Fact of the Week sponsored by no one. Barrel is now the first player to make three world finals for two different teams. Not even Faker has done that. Faker has made three finals, but which player also has made three finals along with Faker? Uh, so, Wolf and Bang. There it is, Wolf and Bang. That was easy. <laughs> yeah, the people that were on his team that he was carrying. <laughs> All right. But I was hoping that maybe he'd be like, is is it Bangi? Was Bangi there for three in a row? Bangi was not there for three in a row. Nope. I he was said. not there at the end. It was he was not peanut. there at the end. Right, it was wasn't it peanut. peanut, Peanut and Hooney? Yep. Uh, yeah. So, all right, there you have it. Time for Galaxy Brain Club. Uh, the big topic, and we touched on it a little bit earlier when we we're talking about second play, who the second best team in the world is, but that's a foregone conclusion if DRX loses. But the big question is, does DRX deserve to be a world finalist? Let's discuss in this week's Galaxy Brain Club. Yes. Okay. We finished it. Nice. Cool. <laughs> well, yes. uh, they beat everyone. Is that, is that, they beat everyone else on their side of the bracket. Of okay. course they yep. deserve Next it. segment. Nope. Yes. Right. The answer is yes. <laughs> Dom's going with a yes. Um, I, I think the, the interesting conversation here is about like how crazy it is that DRX is actually here. Um, because realistically they shouldn't have been at worlds at all <laughs> they no one had be, them over sandbox uh yeah and either sandbox or kt like they weren't even really in the conversation uh, you really have to it, what's so impressive about drx is like i don't know what the fuck happened like maybe when the pressure was off that's when it all came together and they 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 felt um less nervous or less compelled to play well Perhaps they they uh, they had some shift in their coaching, but you really have to contextualize where they were because, as I stated earlier, they weren't 
they hadn't beaten any team in the playoffs um except for they had very good matchup versus Damwon because for whatever reason Pioshik just goes super saiyan whenever he he faces Canyon and just puts him in the dumpster it's a very it's very weird to watch Pioshik's a very streaky player um, most of their success had come in early in the summer split. By the end, uh, they were 0-2 in best of threes to both Liv Sandbox and KT. And the last best of three they had against KT, which actually would have affected seeding, so it was important to the, the overall playoffs, they not only lost 0-2 to KT, they got absolutely reamed, okay? They got two kills in two games. It was not <laughs> close, okay? They got two kills in game one, and they got zero kills in game two. They got completely bitch-slapped into another dimension. So, like, seeing this team uh, go through their qualifier run and just kind of barely edge it out, come up clutch in these situations, and then get into Worlds, got out first in their group, which wasn't happened. If anything, you would have said RNG is the dark horse coming from play-ins that could win Worlds. It's completely unreasonable to think that it would have been DRX. And then DRX comes out, beats the reigning world champion, and not only does that, but overcomes probably significant, you know, psychological hurdles after the end of that game too, having to reverse sweep. And then coming into Gen, uh, Gen G, and even though Gen G obviously massively underperformed, uh, at this at this world championship relative nope, to that doesn't exist <laughs> relative to I'm gonna expectations i'm gonna stop you there it doesn't exist i think drx was just better than genji the entire time if you, even ah, though they were okay. getting their ass beat they were like what they lost the last what was the stat like they lost the last 11 games they played against genji it was like 2020302 like get the fuck out of here yeah. like it was it was that type of like ass beating even though that happened you know this was the only reality that was that was conceivable and <laughs> If you thought Gen G, like, yeah, I mean, sure, Gen G won LCK, but like, what does that matter? Like, all that matters is worlds. So, so, uh, yeah, DRX is just the the absolute just best team, yeah, in the world. I'll I'll say it right here, they're the best team in the world. And yeah, it all starts with one upvote, and I upvote that idea there, Dom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, so I think I think Gen G, for whatever reason, struggled with a meta that they really had no business struggling with with the players that they had. Um, except for maybe Doran, but for the most part, it's it's pretty inexcusable. Um, it depends for... on what you consider the meta, right? Because like if the meta is actually like Graves Viego, then I could see them struggling. Like in spring, for example, when the meta was Lisa and Viego, I think that was part of the reason why Genji was worse than T1 was because sure. those were like owner's champions, right? Like owner would just play Lisa yep. literally every game. It felt like every single time I watched T1 play, owner was just on Lisa in spring and just fucking just smurfing on everyone, right? So I think that in, in a carry jungle meta, they could have struggled, but I feel like there's enough tank junglers in the meta where you don't need to play carries. Like, you should Correct. just be able to, to do what you did versus, versus uh, Domwon, right? Like, play the Maokai, play the Sejuani, just play all those those matchups and just allow your fucking carries to carry. Like, it felt like Ruler was getting massive advantages every game. Just let him fucking carry. Let Ruler cook. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't He didn't wrestle Wilson it, luckily. Uh, yeah. Maybe Chovy did. <laughs> maybe Peanut. Peanut <laughs> definitely did. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, anyway, uh, I think uh, historically, as we've discussed, and I, I know you mentioned the, the many changes to Graves over the years, but it is one of Peanut's most played champions in his career. And like, it, look, I know Peanut is smart enough to be able to path correctly on Graves. He did it a couple times during the, the group stage. But yeah, I mean, it was it's pretty appalling Graves' performance versus DRX. Um, 
you know, DRX also has some very relevant pocket picks. We've talked about how the Zeka champion pool uh, kind of lucked into that, especially with the the few number of of mid lane bands that are cycling around right now. Um, Deft has been as expected, and I'm I'm looking forward to that matchup versus Gumiyushi. Kingen, just don't give this guy Orn, please. Like LCK learned this a while ago. Uh, we'll see if Zayas wants to, you know, play GP into Emil. it. Yeah. To it, maybe <laughs> that's 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 definitely definitely more of a risk i will say than versus doran um but i think drx does deserve it but it, it, it the reason why i wanted to bring up this topic is because you really have to talk about how fucking unlikely it was that they would have gotten here and i'm not saying that some of their wins are fraudulent but there have also been some pretty big underperformances we have to acknowledge that maybe scout and chovy were not at their most scout and chovy uh, in some of these games, I think we, I think we just no. have. <laughs> I'm just gonna stop you there once again, like that. I think I think that just shows how much better Zika was than Scout. Like I mean, Scout just like mind controlled him, dude, kills. and forced him to int into the turret. Yeah, four to- four <laughs> solo kills. That's reasonable. Some people just die four times. <laughs> yeah, with this world's appearance, uh, DRX is the lowest seeded team to make the world finals. The last lowest seeded team before that was Suning. It was Suning that was the number three seed from uh, China, but was a pot two team. I mean, so, DRX had a negative win rate. They were nine and nine in best of threes and 22 and 23 in individual maps at the end of summer. And then they just got clapped out of playoffs. And for reasons unknown, uh, it'll be an interesting story to tell later. But honestly, because the qualifier was played before the world's patch, it's even more confusing that they managed to suddenly find success on a on a in a meta that they were not good at and then maintain that level of success into a new meta. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Riot's going to go ahead and push these Battle of Two Titans. It's really, again, the unlikely story of how DRX has made it here against uh, T1, who seems to have earned their spot and found their way in the, you know, the unkillable uh, Demon King and his Demon Prince as well as it's now being dubbed to Gumi Yushi. So uh, I, I like the fact that we had to take a step back and uh, put everything into perspective again. The sixth seed, two. Three two wins from the lower bracket uh, uh, gauntlet of the LCK to make it on in before the plans and everything else after that. Uh, Dom, any final words that you want to add here? Um, I mean, I just think that 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 DRX uh, the the thing that's been the most surprising for me is not necessarily just like the individual play; it's the fact that they actually are like winning setups on on objectives versus like genji for example like when they actually are getting to an objective they're warning correctly and they're playing the, the fights out like more in a more disciplined way which is one of the reasons why i felt like they always lost to genji like if you if you watch the first game of this series that's how i remember drx versus genji looking like yep. drx normally just like they just can't do anything when they play against genji where like they just they show up to the objective they lose the fight they pack it up, they go home. You know, it, it is what it is. <laughs> so I feel like the thing that, that's been the most impressive about DRX is like how they're able to like suddenly like win all these these objective setups, which is a very hard thing. Like if you've ever played professional league or you've ever played a competitive league game, getting everyone working together at an objective, knowing where to place your vision, how to like make good decisions on like whether to like engage, turn, like how to like 
uh, like allocate like all, all your resources, like warding your flank. Like there's so many things that go up into these setups, which is why normally teams that have better setups just end up like winning tournaments. You know, like for example, um, when you went into Worlds last year, people were just saying like, EDG and Dom1 were the favorites from the beginning because when they got to like a team fight and they start putting their wards down and they start like deciding on whether they're going to fight, they're going to beat you there like nine times out of 10 without even having to outplay you just because they know what they need to do. And like, they're, they're so practiced in those environments. RNG and MSI in the last two MSIs they won were, were the same way where it's like, they were just the best around Baron in the world. You get the Baron, they know how many people need to turn if they need to sacrifice somebody to zone the jungler, like what they need to do. Those are, those are like the, the keys to, to making deep runs in international tournaments. I think the most underrated part about DRX is not like the pop-offs from like Zika or like, you know, the, the support picks or like whatever. Like I think the individual play is obviously better, but to me, the most impressive part is their ability to get better at a part of the game that is so complex and requires so much teamwork. And I don't know if they were like sat down one day and it's like, Barrel used to be the fucking goat at this for like Dom one. You tell yep. us like, we're just going to do whatever the fuck you say. Like, yep. I don't know where it came from, but that to me, I think is, is the underrated part about DRX. And that's the thing that's like the most interesting is uh, people work years to try to figure out these types of setups. Yeah, I, I think also, and it's it's been a key theme that I've been highlighting for DRX throughout this tournament, but they are an extremely difficult team to beat if they get ahead of you because they have the most slow, crushing, methodical closeout of any team. Like, they are very textbook in the way that they deny vision. They will be very patient, as we saw in the Gen G series, and just they'll play for that soul. They'll be like, yes, we are going to play a 35 to 40 minute game, but we are going to give you no hope of actually winning because we're going to go for this objective. There are no risks. It is, it is like the, it's a very like classic, like low risk, uh, you know, kind of constricting Korean style that we've seen in the past. And they are really good at it. And the thing is, is that they also have been, and I think it's going to be interesting versus T1. They've been playing a lot of, They've been playing a lot of um, like kind of early dragon control so that they can actually force fights and objectives, which is kind of counter to the way that T1 wants to play the game. So there's a very, I think, curious stylistic battle that develops between these two teams in a similar way to T1 versus JDG that wants the, you know, JDG wants the 5v5. T1 is just never giving them the 5v5, right? And I think DRX... Um, yeah, their macro has just improved tremendously. And I, I agree with you, Dom, that that's been the most interesting part of DRX for me because while it's cool watching Zeka like, you know, one-shot people on a collie, to me, it's cooler to see the evolution that they've had in terms of teamwork and how patient and, uh, you know, on point they've been in their late game macro. Well, I mean, we, just... we got to see the evolution of that in the JDG match as the mid laners were constantly picking globals. So it was like, hey, we're... We're playing around the map, and you got to play around me. Uh, you know, Yagawa was playing the Talia. Faker obviously pulled out the Rise, the Galio. So uh, it's going to be a huge, huge test here uh, for DRX. Go ahead, Dom. I was just going to say, like, if you want an example, literally go watch Gen G versus DRX, the second um, best of three that they played in, in LCK Summer. This is like when Gen G is like eleven and one. They're they're just the most dominant team in LCK. Um, T1 is obviously struggling more than they did in, in spring. And like, it doesn't feel like DRX can ever beat Gen G because yep. they get around an objective. Like there's no, so there's no action happening. Number one, like there's just, it's just typical LCK style, right? Like where you're just playing your lanes, you're just rotating, you're showing up to objectives on time, whatever, but just Gen G is just better at setups. So how the fuck did DRX get better than Gen G at setups? That's like crazy. That's <laughs> so hard to do. Like, 
like you literally spend months when you're on a team trying to be like all right so like we got to back like one minute before we got to have like this amount of pink words we need to pick word here here and here all right like you're going to drop your pick word in pixel you're going to always drop your pick word on the objective the other guy's going to ward for the flank like for certain comps we need to ward for the flank for other comps we need to like ball up okay when we start the objective we need these people to turn in this way like you you spend so long working on that so normally once you become better at that like it's very hard to ever lose games to teams that are worse than you which is why it felt like genji was just significantly ahead but yeah i mean it's just so weird to see like the dynamic now like if you watch that series of of genji versus drx that best of three you come out of it and you feel like yeah well you know drx can never win they can never win like no matter what happened they could never win you could play this game a hundred fucking times they would never win one let's DRX give it up them three times out of four like it's so crazy Co you know what it, it, the coaching staff of drx has had to deal with dysfunction their whole career it's coach song had to coach at tsm had to coach at clg i think coached at echo fox for a little bit <laughs> He knows how to get a team that's not working together to work together. All right, there we go. That's the way we take some LCS. He's, he's suffered through LCS macro, so he's, he's truly he's not phased by anything anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was a deeper dive into DRX's magical run here uh, to the World Finals. Next up, we have our high key, low key, no key across all the matchups in this finals match. Let's get to it. Uh, all right, so rules for this one. High key, low key, no key. We're going through every matchup, all 10 players, uh, you know, 1v1 against their counterpart. You have to use all three of these ratings at least once. You can't okay. just be high key about everything. That's um, <laughs> all right. I'm, we're, we're definitely just, not high key about everything. We're just, <laughs> oh, shit, his worlds. Uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get to it. Let's start in the, let's go bottoms up. All right, so first up, uh, and we will separate them because of the uh, the play style, some of the unique picks that they've had uh, to separate themselves. So uh, let's go with Caria and Barrel. Are you high key, low key, or no key excited about this matchup? I see you thinking, Monty. So let's start with you, Monty. I guess I'm kind of, even though I said Caria might be the MVP of, of, of Worlds based on some of his performances, I'm kind of like low key about this matchup. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't turn into like Heimerdinger priority, like weird shit. Um, but <laughs> which is which is a possibility. Um, <laughs> or like Yumi getting through the draft somehow. I mean, there there are po there are some interesting angles to this. So like I'm I'm kind of excited by it, but I think Barrel's best games have been on low mechanic champions like Braum, which means that the head-to-head -head between these two guys isn't very interesting. If anything, like I feel as though uh, the shot caller head-to-head -head I'm very interested in between Barrel and Faker, right? But the actual support matchup in, an, in a vacuum is, is, it might be somewhat exciting, but I feel like it's probably going to be relatively, you know, if Barrel wins, if DRX wins, it's not going to be because Barrel made some crazy play. Whereas if it could be that Caria makes some kind of hype play, but the matchup itself is not, not super interesting to me. All right, Dom. Um, I, I would say that I'm I'm like low key excited for this. I think that Caria will probably do pretty well against Barrel. I think Barrel's champion pool was good at exploiting um, players that had very specific champion pools previously. 
Um, but I don't know if he'll be able to do the same thing uh, versus a player like Carrier because it feels like Carrier can just play everything. So if you try to pull out like any of these like weird like oh we're gonna like poke you down picks, I think that uh, you're just gonna end up having like Carrier just counter it with like some type of enchanter, and then you know T1 will probably have an advantage in the bot lane. You guys are too nice. I am no key excited about this. <laughs> other than other than the Heimer priority, which you hit on, Monty, I think I, I, it's not going to be one of these two guys winning the game. For I me. mean, nobody wants to watch Heimer anyway. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on up to uh, I, probably one of the most talked about head-to-heads. It's the story of destiny with death, the last dance against uh, the rise of the youngin in Gumayushi. Are you high-key, low-key, no-key excited about this one? I, I'm really high-key excited about this one because I'm hoping that we see... Because in previous matchups... Um, well, we got to see Def's Caitlyn uh, in in uh, in the last matchup in, in semifinals. But, you know, Gumiyushi, legendary Caitlyn player this year in particular, we haven't seen it kind of unlocked against him and JDG banded on both sides uh, throughout the semifinals. But I think that there is a, there's a world where Caitlin might get through draft one or two times as teams tried to like trade power picks or, you know, try and counter with like the Ezreal karma or Varus karma, um, depending on, on if they think they can get those picks without them being banned. So I think this is a really fascinating matchup um both players i think have shown extremely good depth to their champion pool ability to carry in this meta there's still a lot of like i, I i'm surprised to say this but like Callista hasn't been a huge pick at this event so far but i think that's that's something that depending on matchup could come back the draven could come back depending on matchups as well um so yeah the, the jinx might come back also <laughs> like it's really hard to call what this is going to look like but the level of adc diversity as well as the fact that as dom touched on earlier gumiyushi is having like the single best run of his career so far short career but single best run of his career so far and looking like he's in great individual form is is exciting and there, there's also a great narrative here which is one of the greatest ADCs in history with a long and storied, almost decade-long career, uh, actually decade-long career, uh, come to think of it, uh, against this new hot shot, up-and-coming, kind of crazy playstyle ADC who is the younger brother of one of the greatest StarCraft II players in history. Like, it's just a fucking cool narrative. Dom? Um, I mean, I think that, that it's a it's a cool narrative, but at the same time, I don't think that there's that much comparison. Like, it's weird to say because I think Deft has been playing well, right? Compared to Guma, I think, but it's just uh, like, or like, I mean, not compared to Guma, just like he's been playing fine. But in reality, I mean, like, a lot of the games he's just behind and it doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it just doesn't matter if he's behind a ton of, like, a, a ton of He hasn't so been the star, that's for sure. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's weird, but I feel like just the way that people are going to try to spin the narrative, they're going to be like, it's Deft versus Faker. It's like, what? The, like, bro, isn't it Zika versus Faker? Like, how about those guys? Like, the guys that are, like, playing in the same <laughs> lane? Like, isn't that the the, the rival? It's like, no, the, the bot laner versus the mid laner. I mean, it, it's, also, it's also that historically Deft and Faker really haven't been rivals. Like... Faker's team was bad. Like, Deft's team was bad when Faker's team was good in Korea. And then, you know basically like they they switched places where like faker scene was bad then definitely was good then he went to china China, and and then he came back and like that rivalry really hasn't been a thing played in msi finals right (laughs) yeah (laughs) anything like but i mean it's like it hasn't been a big narrative over either of these players careers right 
So wh- where do you land on that? Is that a low key, Dom? Um, that would probably, I mean, I guess if I already went low key, wait, do I have to choose one for each or can I just go for multiple? Lo- I mean, I-, I would say like, I would say no key. I think, I think Google <laughs> will be better. I, I think right. Google will just be better than Deft. Um, I think he's been playing better recently. Um, I think part, uh, I don't think that Death is actually that strong in terms of pure 2v2 laning. I think a lot of the times where he's been getting advantages is because like Barrel's pick has just been so oppressive that the enemy can't actually play the lanes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I, I just expect Gooma to, to have a really good final. Yeah. Uh, I'm high key excited about this because of the champion diversity that you said earlier, Monty. Um, and I, I just want to see if the old hand still got it because Gooma's doing some crazy shit over the last several games. Uh, well, he's not going to get Lucian, I don't think so. <laughs> I, well, I think it's going to like go down like you know, the priority list. As you said, the power picks will rotate on through. I think he's going to get it at least once. I think he'll get it at least once. Um, I, I would not advise DRX to, to do that. They don't play it. So Yeah, no, ban, it, ban it every game. Yeah, ban it literally every game. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up, let's head on over to the mid lane. Uh, Zeke and Faker, we already talked about it earlier about keeper kick. This has to be up there with one of the best uh, matchups. What do you got? Oh, that's high key for me. Yeah, it's high got, key for me too. It's, it's high key because like Zika has just had such an insane run. I mean, if he like either Faker wins and Faker solidifies himself as, as a, as like, or I mean, he's already solidified as the goat, but he further solidifies himself <laughs> as, as the goat. Like, because you know, in recent years, because of like showmaker's performance, Canyon's performance, like people are like, well, if Canyon gets like one or two more world championships, maybe like we have a conversation, but like if, if Faker now wins in like the modern era, not only does he have like the, this absurd amount of like accolades and dominance in the early era, getting one in the modern era while also like, being yeah. a focal point for his team, I think is, is actually just, it just makes it so hard to ever compete with that. Um, so I think that that that's like super hype. And then Zika is just having like the craziest run we've ever seen at worlds. We've never seen a run like Zika's from like an individual player of like his perceived caliber coming into the, the tournament. So, I mean, either way, whoever wins is like, or whoever is having a better series is just like, yeah, they're just coming away with it with so much even more than than normal you know like when you like for example scout versus showmaker it was nice when scout won but you know at the end of the day it was like i mean it's an lpl team winning right so we just try to like remove that we're like yeah fuck that didn't happen that didn't happen that didn't happen (laughs) oh korea's on top let's fucking go and then even if you do want to acknowledge it you're like well he's just korean anyway so it's just a pretty much a win for the lck i would say (laughs) so uh, yeah i mean i don't know i just think i think it's really good i I think it's a it's a really good matchup it's it's my high key matchup i don't think you can have a higher key matchup than this the craziest run we've ever seen from an individual player compared to expectations versus the fucking goat yeah yeah i think i think it's it's really interesting like people are going to have a lot of eyes on zeka to see if you know he's going to be the next big thing my expectations on zeka are still out uh you know because i i need to see him in in different metas obviously perform at this same level that's that's the big question mark for me uh but it is incredibly exciting and he has uh, there's almost no way that anyone on DRX could take the MVP from him at this point if they win the finals. Like, that's how good oh, his performance yeah. has been. Like, he could, he would have to really suck in the finals in a win. And they still win. Yeah. And, and they still <laughs> win. And somebody else would have to have just an unearthly performance. And who's that going to be? 
it's not going to be king and i'll tell you that so it might be deaf like Yoshik. <laughs> he just smurfs it on his kindred look i'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the finals you want me to leak game one of the finals this is what this is what's going to happen Gra graves versus kindred yes yeah exactly yep. owner's going to pick graves and they're going to be like ha we have the kindred counter pick we did it first 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 fucking uh first first peanut graves like we can run it back again and then they're going to see owners graves. oh oh shit that's a real great oh oh fuck and then we're just going to get a ban for the rest of the series that's my that's my nostradamus take we'll just put it in this fucking section that's my nostradamus take right there <laughs> <laughs> that's what we got in the mid lane high key low key no key great perfect uh all right i'm high key excited about it all the other reasons that you guys said Let's move on to the jungle, jungle rule. As you said uh, earlier, it's Piotrzek, it's owner. Where are we going with this one? Here? No key. Fuck this matchup, dude. Like, it, it, Dom, Dom might be hyped about owner's graves, but I think it's an aberration that owner has been passing this well on graves. This is not typical of this player, and uh, he might just regress to the mean uh, during the, the actual finals. If anything, I think he, owner has been the least interesting and lowest performing member of T1 throughout their world's runs. He has done things like in their first game versus Fnatic where he overplays his hand and like costs them the game. He's been out of position. Um, he should have cost the game game three versus JDG, for example. With yeah. Like he makes critical stop. errors. <laughs> he makes critical errors and it's, it's lucky for him that he's been able to kind of get get back onto the viego train and and like keep rolling but i i do have some questions about his champion bull. i say this as we you know saw his nocturne which is interesting and something that t1 has done this year but his poppy is has never been good um he he is not the most cerebral jungler that we have th at this event and while pioshik i think had a very strong series versus gen g i i I disagreed with giving him like the MVP of the series over Zeka. At least that's what I saw on the, on the analyst desk from riot. And it's, it's cool that his niche pick, right. Uh, has become a feature of this, you know, a possible feature of this, uh, matchup versus graves and kindred. It's still not like, it feels like he kind of lucked into it in, in in a similar way to Zeka did. And lucking into the right meta is part of winning worlds. This is, or doing well at worlds. This is fair. It's always true that that's the case. But I just, it's very hard for me to to really like be pumped about this matchup. Having watched, you know, a, this entire year of Pioshik versus owner, like they're, they're just not my favorite junglers in the LCK. Dumb. Well, my favorite jungler in the my favorite junglers in the LCK this split were, I mean, uh, Monty's probably gonna hate this. I liked Canyon, and then even though Croco is a complete psychopath, I no, really I love liked Croco. Fuck you! <laughs> Look, he is a psycho, and he randomly ends games, but he's very entertaining. He's very I, entertaining. I, I really liked watching Croco. So th those <laughs> Yo, are probably I my love favorite to watch. I think I think Croco is an idiot, but. He, look, Croco makes the craziest, like he makes games fun to watch one way or another. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I, th I think Croco and, and Canyon are probably my favorite, but I think, I think owner might be slightly like underrated. Like he does make some errors, but I think a lot of the times those errors come from like deeper things of him trying to like fix lane states that are probably unfixable. So sometimes it feels like he's what he gets kind of sucked into like, you know, the, the typical like, Oh, I need help top. Like, okay, I'm help. Oh fuck. We're both dead. Like that type of thing. <laughs> Um, 
but I do think he's like I, I do think Odor is like a significantly better jungler than than Pioshik. He just seems a lot like a lot cleaner in his decisions. Like Pioshik just wastes a lot of time. That's something that I value really heavily as a jungler is like your efficiency. It doesn't have to be efficiency in just terms of like your camp farming because that's like what people just always assume that you're talking about. I'm talking about efficiency in terms of like how quick you make your decisions and get in and out of the plays that you are trying to make. So like if you are like playing around bot or if you're hitting a dive timer, like how efficiently do you get to the dive timer? Dive like are you there early? Are you wasting time? If you're going to invade camps, are you like on the camp when it spawns? Do you take the camp and get the fuck out? Or are you like just walking into the enemy jungle, put a ward? Is the camp spot? Oh, it's not here. Oh shit. Uh am I looking bot? You like stand behind bot turn for oh, I guess this isn't dive bullion, and then you just go back and farm your jungle. Start your recall and stop your recall. Yeah. That's the type of shit that I really, really hate to see junglers do. And Pioshik does that a lot more than owner. Like, even though owner makes bad plays, he gets um really in and out of his place quickly even if he makes a bad play it's like i am here i inted okay i'm back on the map like that's the <laughs> shit i like that's the alpha <laughs> fucking jungling right there so uh, like i give odor the, the pass when he does make bad play and just i feel like when you have that that more like like we're doing this 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 like when you have more of that mindset um i, I think that, that you just have a higher skill ceiling than some than, than somebody that is just like not really sure of what they want to do and they're just kind of trying to feel the game out so I think that like when owner just stops making those critical errors, he's just going to be like top tier for like years to come. And I still think that he has the potential to like not make those errors in games and just play really clean games. Like he just, there's some games that he plays where it's just really fucking solid games. All right. And uh, I just value that highly. So yeah, I mean, I think I th like, I'm, I guess for, for the matchup, I would be no key excited, but I do think like owner <laughs> is like really fucking good. <laughs> okay. There you have it. And finally in the top side of the map, I think for me, it's, oh, sorry. For me, it's low-key. I had to use yeah. low-key once. This is low-key excited for me just because uh, I feel like it's not going to come from them either. Like, I don't think that's where the carry performance comes. I think it comes from mid, and I'm very excited to watch that, and from bot. Those are the two. Look, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm low-key about this, this top matchup because, like, look, you know... It... <sighs> It's either going to be boring or it's going to be Zayas just like raffle stomping Kingen and like doing really well on carries, which is not interesting in the matchup. It's just interesting because Zayas is good. Like it's either Zayas is going to be really good or it's going to be Kingen like surviving on fucking Gragas and, and Orn. I'm high key excited about this. I think Kingen played well. I, I we uh, talked look, about that Dorn struggle, but I think Kingen made some really big plays for DRX. Yes, Kingen yes. absolutely saved game two for DRX. He is he is extremely good at team fighting with Orn. Um, but as far as the matchup goes, like I just I don't think Kingen holds a candle to Zayas. That's all. I, I think Zayas has gotten to pass on a couple of games in the series not the series he's always bounced back and was the better top lane in the series but games i don't in the even think so can you can you say that can you say that like after watching him play versus 369 can you say that zeus was definitively better than 369 over the course of the series like i don't think that that that, that was like a reasonable takeaway from watching them compete but that was the takeaway that's what everyone kept saying everyone was like oh yeah zayus he's the god zayus look he fell super far behind but still pushed out a ton of damage but that that's what everyone was saying dom and i was like i don't I know my eyes aren't great. I know I'm not the analyst I mean, I all think, the time, I, but that didn't seem to be the case for me. I think that, like, sure. I mean, if you look at the way Zeus got back into games, right? Like the tur like in game three, the GP game, the the turret dive by Viego. Viego just into the shutdown, didn't kill him, and he gets the wave, and it's level six. Like he was murdered in that in that game. Like mm -hmm. he was fucked in that game with what happened. Um, 
I think the difference maker was Faker in, in the series. Like, I think T1's bot lane was expected to win, and they won. And I think JDG's top side was expected to win, and they were, like, doing better in most games. They were ahead in most games. And Faker was the one that made the difference, where, like, that was going to be the key point of the series. Like, can, like, who's going to play better, Faker or Yugao? Because I think they were similar coming in, and Faker outperformed him. Like, his rise was yep. just playing... Like he was playing Rise into Azir and somehow getting roam timers while being even CS, which I thought was like really impressive. So I think that that like obviously Zeus is really really strong, and I think that he'll have a good finals because I mean I just think that Kingen and I mean I think Kingen and Doran are just weaker players than three six nine for example. Yep. So yes, um, I, I mean I just think that like I think Zeus is really good, but like I mean he he just had like he just had his like he had his test versus three six nine, and like I don't think that he prove that he was the better top later in that series. I think that they just both played and like they both played pretty well and they both look good as fuck. Like that's how I would I would like I mean look if 369 had Faker on his team, if they swap mid laners in that series, like I think JDG is winning. Like that's all I'm saying, you know? Yeah. 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 That, I don't that, know. That's they, why they I'm high key excited about it. They might it, have had to switch ADCs like. as well. They might have had to switch ADCs. Well. <laughs> might 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 have. But I think that like the thing is a lot of the the AD carry so Hope was getting caught, which was definitely a, like a big issue. But in the times where, where Hope was actually like outplaying Guma, I mean they didn't show it on camera, obviously, because the observers were like horrible. I don't know if you noticed the observers were disgusting during this series like it was crazy they were missing so much but like hope hope and missing in the late like so game two they like trade solo kills but the wave state was actually fine and their kill went on to ad where the enemy kill went on to support which isn't that bad when you're playing lucia nami but obviously it's preferable to get the gold in the ad but in game three like faker just bailed them out of of, uh, of essentially getting double killed like they were just getting double killed bot there and Sure, they, they probably knew that Faker could have potentially had a roam timer, but even if you thought you had a roam timer, you wouldn't just suicide and be like, ha, they're baited. Like, it's not like fucking, it's not a bronze game. Like, they would have waited for Faker. So, like, in the time where they actually, like, did lose a lane, Faker bailed them out. Yeah. Well, uh, those are our high-key, low-key, no-key takes across all the matchups here. I have an interesting thing I was looking up because you brought up possible MVP candidates. Uh... There were no MVP candidates season two and season three. Can you name all nine MVPs? It, it is, and here's your hint. It has been across all five roles. Monty, you go first. <laughs> yeah, actually, just no take turns. Take turns. <laughs> wait, you don't wait, remember wait. any of the MVPs? The finals MVPs. The final of Worlds? Of Worlds. The Worlds finals MVPs. Uh, and just take turns. So you take okay. one, and then Dom. You All do right. The okay. Other. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go. Let's go backwards from 2021. Then. Yeah. Let's yeah. take that season. Okay. So 2021 was yeah. was actually JJ. They said it was Scout. They lied. I, I thought it was Scout. Yeah, it was Scout, but they lied. Like the Scout was not the MVP of that series. They gave <laughs> that's the why MVP he's going to Scout. backwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they, they said you, Scout I know was the MVP. Was, I know it was Canyon when Dom won one. Okay, that's yeah, right. Canyon, was Canyon in 2020. I, 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 all right, so it was Kenya went down one one. Twenty nineteen, it was the Tien. Goat. Tien. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tien. Yeah. Twenty eighteen right. was Ning. Ning, that's right. Twenty seventeen. That was is... ruler. That's right. It's ruler, yep. the only AD carry to win it. Correct. Nice. Mm. Uh, Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. That was also uh, T one win. Team one versus uh Samsung Galaxy. Yeah, it's probably it was, something embarrassing like Bang, wasn't it? Yeah, was it Bangy? No, no, it's no, it was it, it must have been okay, it must have been faker. It must have been faker. It was faker. That's right. Okay. This one was faker. 2015, uh, was that Marin? 
2015 was Marin. Yeah, I remember right. that was egregious. Uh, yeah, that was really egregious. 2014, I remember was Dandy because I thought it should have been Mata, but I was outvoted. Really? On Wikipedia, it says Mata. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So your vote actually went through. I'm double checking now just to see. No, no, no uh, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. Right. Okay. I think that changed right. around last second. Um, and then season three and season two, there were no. Uh, I mean, 2013 was Baker also, if we're yeah. being honest. Yeah. <laughs> and 20, 20, 2012, season two was, was going to be probably toys. Toys was, like, probably would have been toys. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And then you. season one. Last it should have been me, you know, like in that world championship. <laughs> I probably should have been me, but, you know, we went out in group stage zero three. We like, we just didn't have six games to go zero six like TSM. <laughs> Uh, season one was uh, twice as efficient. Job. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there we go. So we'll see. Maybe one of these high key, low key, no key matchups will be the key matchup towards someone winning the MVP. Now, uh, two more segments left. We kind of already went through this one, but we're going to do it officially now. It's time for our future teller, Nostradamus. So last week I predicted Gen G 3-0 versus DRX. That was the first Nostradamus that uh that that, that failed us. <laughs> the Canyon Gapping Peanut. We, we could go back through all of them. There was Canyon Gapping Peanut. That one was true. We had the I e mean, it was reasonable. It was reasonable. Like I I I think everybody predicted 3-0. For for Gen G over DRX. Well, like, actually, not everyone predicted did you, a Gen Did you predict 3-1? It was it was not me. No. This is why you have to subscribe and post your stuff here because we will reward you. We All have right. one of our friends or listeners at home uh, that listens on Spotify. So we get we get all the comments from everywhere. It's THB Welsh saying, Def winning his quarters. He's going to make finals. I believe in the Def's swang song. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, he didn't call it a a a, a, uh, a a score, but he called Def making it to the finals, and I think that's, I think even that in itself was. I appreciate his narrative time. delusion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think it was remotely reasonable to think that DRX would win this match, which makes it, by the way, guys, it's not like, haha, you analysts are wrong. It's like, isn't that fucking cool for DRX, you idiots? Like, can't we just be happy about something? No, we we can't be nope. happy about something. Well, so, I mean, I, Dom, it's, give it's, them something else to be upset about. Uh, I mean, okay, so to be upset prediction about, wise, my prediction wise, <laughs> my my prediction, which we we already went over, is that they are going to give Odor Graves and play, try to play Kindred into it. Um, and that matchup is fake. That used to be a good matchup before Kindred had more like clearing issues, and now like you're just more mark dependent. And if your team is not winning lanes, it's very hard to get. A lot of marks and i think with t1's like laning you know bot lane top lane like every i feel i feel like t1 should just be the better laners everywhere besides for maybe mid um in this tournament which makes it really hard to contest marks so i think they're going to try to give owner graves in order to play kindred and it's not going to work i think that's going to be uh the nostradamus take we're going to have t1 owner playing graves we're going to get a kindred pick by pioshik into it he's going to get shit on they're going to fucking scrap it and just ban graves for the rest of the series big game one or game two Monty, I, I I think that's I think that's likely to happen. I think that's likely to happen. All right, two one. I'm writing it down so that we have it for next week. Owner playing Graves into Piosha Kindred, and it doesn't work. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it there, like that kind of broad. All right, perfect. So this week's Nostradamus. Uh, do you think Dom is correct? Let us know in the comments below across all platforms wherever you watch uh, our fantastic Andrew 
uh, producer Andrew will pull all the comments there if any of you guys have uh, an egregious take or a correct take. We'll, we'll give you props too. <laughs> I, I, we don't want just crazy takes. <laughs> all right. Uh, to close it on out and prepare for the world finals, let's revisit one of the best matches of the semifinals. It's our certified banger of the week. Uh, let's get into it. Monty, you want to take this one? Yeah, I picked this one, Dom. You may you may disagree. I thought it was T1 versus JDG game two. Uh, I thought it was just incredibly interesting from both of these teams and highlighted the styles of both of these teams and how they were like interacting extremely interestingly. Was that your favorite game or did you have a different one? Um, game. I mean, I like the first three games to be honest. I thought all they were all were like. I thought they were all really good games. So like, yeah. like I mean, I don't really have a, a problem there. I think game two is, is definitely a certified banger. I thought all three of the, the first three games were really interesting. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no objection there. I, I'm not, a, I'm not objecting at all to the, the game two <laughs> banger. Game one was a banger. Game two was a banger. Game three was a banger. Maybe my favorite was game three. I think game three right. was really interesting. Um, just the way that like you had like the top side focused approach versus the bot side focused approach. Um, you know, like JDG, I mean, LPL is obviously really famous for like these, you know, uh, like dives, right? Like that's just been the LPL thing. Um, ever since the durability patch, they were like, obviously LPL was the first region to like continually invest in, in these early, like slow pushes into dives. They're able to execute it once onto owner. Then when, um, or sorry, onto Zeus. And then when owner yep. came to, to, to try to like force the push out, uh, he slightly overforced and they ended up getting a uh, double kill as a result. Yep. Uh, it was two for one, but I mean, two kills, uh, is just really tough to do. And the way, and the main thing was that the wave didn't actually crash. That's the, the actual key point rather than the kills is the key, the wave didn't actually crash there. Um, and then you had uh faker, obviously roaming bot with rise. So then the bot lane was ahead. Um, or like the mid and bot lane, the bot side, I guess you could say was ahead for, um, for T1. So I thought it was a really interesting dynamic. You got to see like, the you know top side approach versus the bot side approach you got to see the the both teams playing around it you got to see their mentalities as to like how they gain their advantages and um yeah i don't know just thought it was a really good game uh while we're on that topic since we're prepping for the finals what would be the game that you pick for drx and gen g uh a lot game one was very textbook gen g <laughs> uh very methodical playing around the map and you know playing i, mean, I guess it would be for me i guess it would be game two um even though i think it was really riddled with mistakes by gen g and i i really on paper liked their draft and what they were doing with it i think they had they basically had already stymied the the main win condition that drx had by um by by kind of stuffing the bot lane pressure that they wanted to have with the Caitlyn Lux. And I think that it was mistakes from, from Peanut in terms of getting greedy that really ultimately caused them to lose the game, as well as some obviously excellent, like the flash charm on the ruler from Zekka, Kingen coming in with a lot of uh, great barrels. So I, I, I think that's what caused ruler to switch over to the Ezreal in the very next game. So there were some good plays by DRX. But for the most part, I think it was Genji allowing them to get back into the game with a pretty commanding lead. And uh, I wasn't a huge fan of DRX's team composition overall because I think it had a pretty limited 
opportunity to win that was already relatively well parried in the early game by having Ruler and Lahens on on Varus and Karma and uh, and handling that lane pressure. Uh, Dom, do you agree? Game uh, two. Game two. I guess. I mean, it's really tough to be honest. It's really tough. I mean, maybe game three. I guess for me would be would be my my uh my certified banger. I think I, mean, I don't three... love any games in this series. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't it's really very like clear. The T one series was a lot of fun. I was just saying, hey, if if they wanted to see both and how DRX worked their way on through, that would be the game to do it. Um, game three yeah. was the Kali game from Zika where he popped off, right? Yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I guess I'll go with that one. I thought watching Zika pop off on the Kali, I mean, he just looked clean as fuck. Like, his REs just look super clean. He makes the Kali look fucking broken, by the way, which I like because I'm an Akali hater. Nerf that champion. Fuck that champion. <laughs> the RE interaction, like, people sometimes miss the RE interaction. I feel like that is kind of like gaslit Riot into not nerfing it. They're like, look, it's possible to fail. Zika's like, no, I just hit that every time. Like, RE, it's impossible to miss. So, you know what? Zika's doing uh, God's work out here. I mean, I, I just think the T1 versus JDG, if you look at it, what was so fun for me to watch about this ma match is T1 going back to their what they've done for most of the tournament, which is like a bunch of like pick compositions and like getting single kills, never actually engaging in the 5v5, which I think is great versus GDG, JDG because of their renowned like 5v5 team fighting, which you also uh, got to see them do extremely well in this series. Not even 5v5, but like 4v5 a lot of the time, stalling out objectives. And T1... Uh, they're just they're just the the masters of of the map, the masters of the cross map at this point in time. And you see how they are really good at like baiting out TPs and then just disappearing their whole team into the Baron pit. And it can be hard to get Baron with compositions like the one that we saw in game two. But if you get it, your side lane pressure with the rise and, and the Yone is just so great. Like the efficiency of a Baron power play with their composition is huge. It's just hard to get it. But if you can bamboozle JDG on the map and kind of get that Baron for free, the value is huge. So I love the way we saw T1. I've been saying this all tournament. They play to their win conditions super well. They played all year, all year with different variations of these, these pick comps. It's been their stylistic bread and butter. And they've done it with different champions. They're doing it again here at Worlds. And they showed that off against JDG, basically never giving them an angle. I think a lot of fans will look at T1's comps and be like, they got outdrafted. But that's only if they have to fight 5v5. If they never fight 5v5 and they play there, if they can force the game into, uh, into kind of their approach, which they did against JDG, that's when you see really the power of what they have to offer. And they just play like no one else at Worlds. They're very unique. And they're yeah. a pleasure to watch. One of the unique takes of it, correct me if I'm wrong, was this the, this was when like Faker had to play Kaisa as part of like that pick composition? Oh thing? yeah, no, they had to, yeah. they, they basically got AP Kaisa nerfed, um, but mm -hmm. it, you know, they also were playing Vex in this way in spring. Like the, a lot of their spring success was somebody engages from a, a fuck really long way away. And then all of a sudden they're on you in a side lane with a man advantage and they're finishing you off from, you know, half the map away with a Jinx rocket, right? Um, they don't play 5v5 League of Legends very often. They they have a couple times at this tournament, and they did in the final game against JDG, but it, it hasn't been, you know, two, you know, probably three quarters of their games have been playing more of this pick style. 
Well, there you have it. Teams with two different types of play styles, storylines across everything. And uh, at the Clenger Palico, watch that uh, game two or game three of T1 versus JDG. Those are your certified bangers. And y'all, that's our episode for Power Spike. Who knew that only two series could provide so much content for <laughs> you all at home? There was a lot to talk about. And uh, if you want to continue to talk about it, make sure to show up at the Chase Center at Harmonic Brewing inside of Thrive City, which is, it's like in the area right outside of the stadium. I promise you, it is right there. If you, you, if you are there, it will take you 30 seconds like to walk there, get some free merch, have, have, a, have a beer, have some food, hang out with us, watch that pre-show. We're also streaming it, guys, so if you can't come live, uh, then, then watch it from home. So it'll be a great time. It's our first live event. We hope to see a lot of you there. Yeah. San Fran... Sacramento, San Jose, if y'all are there, just come through. We know tickets were hard, so it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, that does it for us. I guess, do you want to do predictions? Do you want to predict? Yeah. All right, let's I mean, do it. Sure. Uh, I'll predict for Monty and myself. How about that? <laughs> I'll predict for both of us. Go for it. 3-0 T1. Yeah. Sounds bad. Oh my god! <laughs> you even wanted. I I could see that you wanted. You're like, oh, I want to say three one. I want to say three one, but I was like, my intellectual honesty and and uh, you know immense disappointment with DRX over the course of the year makes it, it like, look, man, they got to turn back into a pumpkin at some point in time. I will be hyped beyond belief if DRX like wins oh, yeah. this series straight up. It will be the most insane world's run ever. So I'm not saying I don't want that to happen, but like. If we're really being honest with ourselves, it shouldn't happen. Um, well, honesty doesn't matter. That's what. <laughs> that's the policy. Like, you know how they say honesty is like the best policy? When it comes to League of Legends esports, honesty is actually the worst policy. The best policy is just like bandwagoning whatever team is currently doing well and pretend like regardless of your predictions is pretending like you you just expected that to happen the entire time. That is what people want. Or uh, playing to your to your core fan base and predicting Rogue to uh, to 3-0 JDG. True. <laughs> no, it's well, good. Uh, there have been four threes in the history of the League of Legends World Championship. None in the last two years. It was last FPX over G two. It was the two European squads that got actually threeed. Uh, and Fnatic as well as IG took them down. Uh, we'll see if this one happens. The potential is there for DRX to boom out, but the potential is also there for DRX to complete the greatest upset. Greatest upset in world's history? Yeah, I'd say so. One of them. All right, we're going to close it out there. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, like and subscribe to this video. Follow uh, Last Free Nation for all your sports content. Uh, if you can't make it to, uh, uh, to uh, San Francisco, watch Dom on his uh, live viewing. If you can make it there, come say hi to me and Monty. Or, or you can check out Saikuno's no, co-stream. Do do <laughs> you can yeah. check out Saikuno's well, yes, co-stream. You can. you can watch <laughs> multiple tabs. <laughs> multiple tabs open. All right. Yep. Thank you all so much for listening and watching. We'll catch you guys for our closing episode of the world's 2022 competitive season. See ya.